Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Rise Up, episode number 252 here on rumble.com slash LFA TV. Merry Christmas. This is our last week before we get together with our families and our friends. A lot of you probably had um, Christmas parties, corporate Christmas parties, or your Christmas party for your job this weekend. I hope it was joyful and peaceful. And uh, I hope that there is peace in your homes and in your hearts as we start this week leading up to the birth of Jesus or our celebration around the world of the birth of Jesus on December 25th. Kittenhead, God bless you. Jessica O'Brien, good morning. God bless you. Freedom Express Media is in the building. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Amanda Collins, Brown Sugar, I'm Sullivan. Good morning, and thank you for being here. Um, I would. Uh, it's been a long weekend uh, for everybody here at uh, LFA, especially in the Harrell household. It's been quite a weekend uh, with the Trump rally being on Saturday, which was a um, you know a success, I think, and was really fun. Had a lot of. Uh, had a lot of good time, met a lot of good people. And, uh, you know, Sunday, yesterday, um, was a day full of trials. And um, we'll talk about that today. And we'll talk about a lot more. I titled the shows, or the title of the show today, The Judas in Your Life. Uh, the Judas in Your Life, everyone has one. Um, and if you don't have one now, you've had one in the past. And the Judas in your life is pretty self-explanatory just by saying it, right? The Judas in your life is somebody who constantly betrays you, stabs you in the back, gossips about you, maybe lies about you. And we all have that or had that. And the way we deal with that person is what we're going to talk about today. So I pray that you guys all are ready for today's Rise Up. We're 10 minutes past the hour. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to ask you to share this video to everybody in your family, especially if they're not in good health. Because this weekend... Eileen says, couldn't get the replay of the rally to work Saturday evening. Works now. Works now. You should be able to watch it now. This weekend, a lot of people had, that I know, right here in the chat, in real life, here in this town, and in my life, a lot of people had some tragedies happen this weekend. First of all, I would like to bring attention to our dear friend in the chat, Scotty. His wife's father, so his father-in-law, had a stroke. And he'll get an update tonight on whether he's going to make it or not. And Scotty, that rings different to me today than it did last week because my mother almost died yesterday as well. And my mother is currently in the hospital today on a breathing machine, tubes hooked up to her, IVs. 
weak, malnourished. And as I was getting ready to relax yesterday and sit down, I got a text message from my sister. And it was that text message that you don't want to get. So we're going to be talking about that today, as well as the topic of the show, which is the Judas in your life. Right now, though, as we are filled with peace, we are going to go to the Lord because in every trial, there are treasures. Amen? When bad things come upon us, fall on us and our families and friends, the Christians of that group will find the goodness, the godliness, the joy, and the peace in that trial. And they're the ones that are going to come out on the other side with the treasures that that trial produced. So as we get into this Christmas season, understand that a lot of people are not going to have the Christmas that they expected or wanted. But it is the Christmas that they must have, like we will have this year in our family. Ladies and gentlemen, please bow your heads. As you see, I got the Rapture Ready hats in. You can get your Rapture Ready hat and your Rapture Ready shirt now together and wear them together. Let's bow our heads and let's go to God in prayer. Lord and Heavenly Father, you are such a wonderful God. You're such a forgiving and wonderful God. How can we make it through life without you? Looking back on the times that I was sad and the times that I was mad and times that I was just out of my mind, out of sorts, out of place. I wonder how I did that. And the answer is I didn't do it by myself. I just didn't acknowledge that you were there helping me. And I'm so, so incredibly sorry for that. But I look today and I look at the future with hope and joy and happiness and and righteousness. And I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to leave this earth. I'm not afraid for family members to leave this earth. And I pray for Jesus to come back sooner than later so that we can all experience what you have put forth in our lives. Lord, today we're going to ask that you bring healing and restoration onto our families. If it is your will, Lord, please heal our family members. And bring them out of this trial with a different perspective and a new heart. And as we get up, get ready for the birth of your only son, our Lord and Savior this year. This very magical time of year. Help us spread that holy Christmas spirit to any and all who need it. So they can also find treasures in their trials. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, folks, um, I don't know where to start today because I have a message to give to you. And I also have a story to tell you that's not related to the message. Michelle said three years ago today, in three hours, her father passed away to COVID protocol. I love and miss you, Dad. Well, I think what we'll do is we'll get to the story first and we'll save the message for the second half of the show because the message is very important, far more important than my story, and I want to leave you remembering the message, okay? Is that okay with all of you? Is it okay if I go ahead and tell my story now so that I can... Put that to rest, put it aside and focus on God. Because if I do the, sto- if I do 
the message first. I'm going to be focusing on this story while I'm doing it, and I just don't think it would be uh, uh, effective. So um, with your permission, I'll go ahead and tell you the story first. Um, so yesterday, I got a, I'll actually read it because I'm about as transparent as a window. Yesterday, I got a text message from my sister. My sister says, at the emergency room with mom, she can't breathe at all. Rushed her in to the emergency room. And I just, and my mom is always, because she smokes and because she has COPD, she's always going to the emergency room or urgent care in order to help with breathing because she gets thrush, pneumonia, bronchitis, and the flu all at once. She gets them, every time she gets them, she gets them like a domino effect. And her lungs have so much scar tissue for smoking for so long that they can't heal and start working on their own once they get that inflamed and damaged. She's always been able to They've always been able to put her on a nebulizer or something and get her back going and then get her out and get her back home. So I said to her, okay, keep me updated. They will most likely put her on oxygen or something of some sort like they always do. She said, I hope she makes it. She barely made it here. Now, one thing I wish my sister would have told me how important this was through this conversation, which she really didn't. I said, is it that serious? Should I come? What should I do? I said, she won't stop smoking and she's been dying for quite some time. My sister says, I think she'll be okay. They have her hooked up to a breathing machine that's forcing air into her lungs because even with oxygen, she couldn't breathe. I left for a couple hours, but I'm going to go back and check. The guy said that she just needs to get her lungs working again under her own power. I said, well, I think I should go. Should I? And she goes, I don't know. I don't know if you'll be able to do anything, and I'm pretty sure she's going to make it through, but you never know. And I said, does she have her phone? She says, yes, but I don't think she'll have service unless she hooks up to Wi-Fi. She can't talk on the phone. There's literally no service in there, and she's hooked up to a bunch of machines. She's in the emergency department. I said, if you're going back, text me when you get there. She said, I'm going back around four or five. Now, this was at one o'clock in the afternoon. I said, how long will they keep her? Should we get her to Dartmouth instead? Because she was at the local hospital and Dartmouth is the bigger hospital. She said, right now, the guy said that they want to stabilize her breathing so that so they're going to try the machine for a few hours. And then he said they're going to take her off and see how her lungs do to see if she can get strengthened on her own and back up. She goes, so I mean, at this point, I think she could be there for a few days. There's no way of knowing to let her go tonight if they're going to let her go tonight with the way she's breathing. Now, here is the worst part of it. Here is what my sister didn't tell me until this point. And I don't blame her, but if she would have started with this, I wouldn't even have said, should I go? I started bawling because I didn't know what to do because she literally cannot breathe. It's so scary. I've been bugging her to go all day and she said she was going to wait it out until I came down there and saw her. When I got there, her fingers were blue, her lips were purple, and she could not even say a word. I got her in the car and she was delirious. She couldn't breathe, and I took her straight to the emergency room. I almost called 911 while I was in the car because she would not breathe. When she got to the hospital, her oxygen levels were below 80. They had to call the emergency respiratory team, and everything was really scary. She didn't want me to leave her there at the hospital, But they had her breathing stabilized at that point, and there was not much that I could do, and she left. Now, I'm not going to read the rest because the rest is uh, me being pretty upset that she left her there. 
So I called my brother. I said, I'm going to be at your house in a little bit. Get ready. We're going to see mom. We're going to go be with mom. My sister had told him the same thing. I don't think there's really a reason for you to go because there's not much that you're going to be able to do. And I said, it's not about what I'm going to be able to do. I'm not a doctor. Obviously, I can't do anything. It's about being there with mom so she's not alone because it's probably the scariest thing she's ever been through in her life, especially not having Jesus the way she should. So we get to the hospital. And once they finally let me and my brother in, And we walked in. She didn't see us at first, but we saw her. Didn't look like my mom. It didn't look like my mom. They had her in this little gurney bed. All these machines hooked up to her. She was looking frail and weak by herself, holding on with a death grip to the metal parts of the bed, shaking uncontrollably, eyes half shut, tears coming down her face, not being able to hardly breathe. Machines all up, beeping. And when she saw my brother, now this mask is so tight on her, it's like cutting like her eyes, like, I mean, it's cutting into her eyes like this so she doesn't have a lot of vision. She saw my brother first because he walked in first. She didn't see me at that point. And as soon as she saw him, like out of the corner of her eye, The machine started beeping, her blood pressure went up, her oxygen levels went down, and she started convulsing because she saw us, I guess, I don't know. And then she saw me, and she started, you know, being out of control. My brother grabbed one hand, and I grabbed the other hand, and we calmed her down and now she can only say about one thing at a time and you can barely hear because the mask is on her and she said I'm sorry her first words were I'm sorry And I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I have never seen fear in somebody's eyes like the fear I saw in my mom's eyes. And I knew it wasn't because that she might die. I knew in my heart that it was because she doesn't have Jesus in her heart. So after we were there for a little while and talking to her and trying to get her to not talk back to us, just nod and because we don't need her to start trying to speak. Her hands were still gripped to the, th- to the side. And I just kept reaching under her fingernails and just gently releasing them, telling her to let go. Mom, let go. Just relax. But when you don't have Jesus, 
you don't have the resources to just let go. So, I took it as the opportunity to just start bringing the Lord into that room. It wasn't even a room, by the way. And I, my brother was on the phone talking to my sister, and I said, now I'm the oldest. And I haven't told my brothers and sisters what to do in 30 years or more. My brother's on the phone, and I said, Nick, put the phone down. He said, hold on, I'm texting Crystal. I said, no, Nick, put the phone down. Put it in your pocket right now. So he did. I said, give me your hand. Now, my brother's not a faithful person. He said, give me your hand right now. I said, grab mom's hand. And I grabbed her hand. And I just did what I know how to do. I just went heavy into prayer. And I asked my mom to soften her heart and let Jesus in. And I prayed healing and love and restoration. And, but most of all, to let my mom let the Holy Spirit in fully. Not just a little bit. Not just think that God might exist. Fully accept Jesus in her heart. And when we got done praying, my brother said amen. My mom said amen. And at this point, her talking, if I can replicate it, I am going right back to the hospital afterwards. My brother's there now. She's a lot more stable now, thank God. But when we got done, now you guys got to understand, my mother is the most, right Eli, the most hard-headed person on earth, right? Is she not? Ten times more than me, right? And my mother has always said, never going to quit smoking. Never going to quit smoking. It is the way it is. What's the point at this point? It's already too far gone. You know, that's my mom. Well, I'll tell you this. As soon as we were done praying, she said this. Just like this, too. And I need you guys to understand how it, what I witnessed, okay? She said, get in my purse. Get the cigarettes. And get them out of here. So I did. And I was so proud of my mom that after we prayed, Jesus softened her heart enough for the first time I've ever heard her say, get these cigarettes away from me. And she looked at my brother who's, by the way, the baby of the family. He's always been the mama's boy. And I saw her staring at my brother, and my brother was back on the phone again. I mean, he was keeping my sister updated, so I don't really hold it. You know, it wasn't like he was, like, checking his Instagram feed or something. And she's looking at him, and she's trying to get his attention. I said, Nick, huh? I said, Mom's talking to you. Put down the phone. If Crystal wanted to know what was going on, she'd be here. Put it down. So he did. And she looked at him, and she told him to come closer, and he did. And she said, stop smoking now, because my brother smokes. And I got to tell you this, folks. Those commercials that we saw as kids about talking through your hole in your throat, being in the hospital, hooked up to machines because of cigarettes. It's real. 
And I saw it with my own two eyes last night. Now, the rest of the time I was there, I downloaded the Bible app that I have on my phone for my mom. I put it on Luke 1-1 so that when she's ready to read it or listen to it, she can. And I got down by her and I whispered into her ear, her ear welcome home Jesus has been waiting for you all you need to do we'll take care of everything while you're in here we'll take care of your bills whatever it is you just focus on Jesus don't even focus on getting better focus on Jesus while you're in here we'll be here one of us will be here all the time or both of us And today, she's off the breathing machine. She's still short of breath, but she's eating, she's drinking. She's now in a room, and she's a lot more comfortable, and she's a lot more at peace. But she almost died. Now, I have a confession to make before we get to the, ver- to the message of the day. First of all, this is going to be the best Christmas I've ever had in my life. But I didn't know how much I loved my mom until yesterday. And that makes me feel horrible. Now, a lot of people are watching this probably right now going, I'm not tuning in to hear a sob fest about this guy and his life. Now, I get it. And turn in to hear the word of God. But if God is not in this story that I'm telling you right now, then where is he? Of course he's right here in this story. Of course he is. He's the reason for the season. And he is going to bring so many treasures out of this. So many. But before I went down there yesterday, my stepdaughter, whose father has abandoned her, and she is now to the point where she just kind of hates her father, her natural-born father. And I said to her before I went down there, I said, how come I don't feel sad? And she said, what do you mean? And I said, my mom and my dad treated me so bad for so many years. I just don't feel bad. And she said, I feel that way about my dad. And I said, well, I guess I should, I guess I should go down there because that's what, and I prayed right then and there. When I said that I don't feel sad that my mom was in the hospital, I said, I said, I can't think like that. And I prayed and God said, get to the hospital. That's, that's, that's why I ended up going. And when I got back from the hospital, I, I grabbed my daughter, Olivia, and I said, oh, Olivia, I was so wrong. I said, I was so wrong. When you see your parent, regardless of how they treated you, weak and afraid as I saw her, I was so wrong. And I will never dishonor my parents ever again, no matter what. And I said, you can't feel this way to your father, about your father. You can't. You got to love him. You got to love him no matter how bad he's treated you, no matter what he's done to you or lack thereof. You've got to love your father. And if, boy, if we didn't learn something heading into this Christmas season yesterday, then I don't know what learning is. So, ladies and gentlemen, here's the moral of the story. Call everybody in your family that smokes cigarettes today. Tell them to stop. Plead with them. Do everything you can, even if they don't listen to you. Plead with them. That's what we ended up doing last night. Plead with them to stop smoking cigarettes if they do. It's not going to lead to anything good. 
And if you have a disconnect between you and your parents, but there's some kind of a pathway back to decency, I, I, I suggest you take it this year. Because as much hatred as you might think that you have for that person who might have treated you bad, beat you, molested you, trust me, Ben, to most of those, it doesn't. There's something there. There's something there. Now, ladies and gentlemen, talking about people who hate you, talking about people who backstab you, treat you terribly. How many of you can identify the Judas in your life? And I see a lot of people in the chat saying you should be with your mom. Trust me, she's okay right now. My brother is there, and I'm going to go down there as soon as my shows are done today. I, I wouldn't be here if I had to be there. And she, she's, got, she's got family there right now, so she's not alone. The Judas is in your life, folks. This is going to blow your mind. You ready? Jesus knew. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. And the Bible backs that up. Jesus knew the entire time from the minute he met Judas that Judas was going to betray him. That Judas was going to be taught by him, walk with him, loved by him, treated wonderfully by him, and in the end, he would backstab Jesus and betray him for money because his spirit was tainted by demonic forces. And that is why Judas ended up killing himself because he felt so like he, he was felt so he dishonored Jesus and God so much, but he was under an evil possession really at the time. But Jesus knew from the minute he met Judas that Judas was going to do that to him. But here's what people don't realize. Are you ready? People don't realize that knowing all of that, knowing what Judas was going to do to him, Jesus never told the other disciples until the Last Supper. Why? And your answer can't be because Jesus had a mission to fulfill and he knew that Judas was part of that mission. That is obvious. But there's so many more reasons why Judas was not exposed by Jesus to the other disciples. And do you want to know why? And this is the part that brought me to tears when I realized it this weekend. Jesus didn't want them to treat Judas differently. They didn't want them to hate him. They didn't want them to hurt him. He didn't want them to ridicule or make him feel any less loved. He went on to teach Judas. He went on to love Judas. He went on to treat Judas the same exact way that he treated the other disciples because he loved him so very much. Even knowing that he was going to do that, he loved him regardless And he didn't want the others to treat him differently because of how much he loved him. 
And I think if you want to connect the story and the testimony that I just gave about not caring that my mother was in the hospital one minute to realizing how much I loved my mother the next, there you go. That's the connection. Knowing what he represented to him in his life, he still had unconditional love for Judas. Matthew 26, 22 through 25. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. And each of them began to say him, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, he who dipped his hand with me in this dish will betray me. The son of man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to the man whom the son has been betrayed. That was the only time that Jesus exposed Judas was when it was time at the end. John 6.64 tells us that he knew about it the whole time. But there are some of you that believed it not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should Betray him. So if you're looking for the verse of the day, I see later or put Matthew in. Well, Matthew is part of the verse of the day. But the real verse of the day is John 6, 64. That says, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that not believed and who should betray him. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who would betray him. So if he knew from the beginning who would betray him and he still treated him with love, it's because he loved him that much and he did not want the others to love him any less either. So then we move to this verse. John 13, 34 and 35 that says this. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. There's verses, many verses in the Bible where Jesus says, love your enemies. Love your enemies as I have loved you. Was Judas not an enemy of Jesus at that moment? Of course he was. Did Jesus know that Judas would be his enemy in the future? Of course he did. And still didn't blow up his spot to the other disciples. So as we go through this journey of Jesus, we have to understand that God's standards are so much better than ours. And we get prideful and we have resentment. But God wants us to treat the Judases in our life the way that Jesus treated the Judas in his life. Pretty incredible stuff, huh? Now, I know you've already cried this morning. But we're going to go to a video after I read for you the show description of today. Do you have a Judas in your life? Have you ever had a Judas in your life? I bet that if you have or currently do have, you have distanced yourself from that person and or warned others about them when brought up in conversation. And you think you're doing the right thing with those choices. However, you would be wrong. Now, I'm not saying that you need to have a person who wants your life destroyed in your life every day. What I'm saying is that you should always be there for that person and show them love when you have the opportunity to do so. And if they call out for help, you should be the one that answers that call. Before we go to this verse today, or this video that I want to show you today, Victory says, I can't be fake and import feelings that aren't there. 
No, you can't. So what does that tell you? What does that tell you about forgiveness and loving the people that have hurt you and wronged you if you can't? If you can't, then you don't fully love and have Jesus in your heart yet. You can't have both. You can't have resentment and hatred at the same time as love. You've got to remember the story of the ladders. Each ladder, you're going up each ladder and one or the other. You've got to put your foot on one or the other. Now, I'm not saying that to criticize you. I'm saying that to tell you the truth. I'm saying that to tell you the truth. Let's go, let's go to the video. And, and victory, I know. Trust me, I know your pain. <laughs> I know your pain. I really, 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 really do know your pain. Um, I need lots of prayers, says Danson. Yeah, I think we all do. I think we all do. Let's um, see if I can go to this video for you that I saved. And I do thank you guys all for being here today and every day. Do me a favor while I'm looking for this video. Uh, please, please, please give us a thumbs up. Share this video out. I'm sure that there are people out there that would absolutely love to hear this message or see this testimony today. Now, this video that I'm about to show you is what it's like when a person who's not a Christian or not a believer experiences what it's like for people who are. Go ahead. This guy delivered pizza to a church and here's what happened. You know, the most amazing thing happened. This whole church came up and gave me over $700 for a tip. I've been having such a, a hard time lately, struggling to stay clean and everything. And I'm just trying to get my life back. And it just really, truly just amazes me that people that don't even know me just wanted to help me out that much. And here's what you need to know today. God blesses you not so that you keep your possessions to yourself, but he blesses you so that you can bless others. Amen. If you believe that God is good and that he has absolutely blessed you, right? I'm so blessed in the comments. Share this with a friend who needs it and follow for more. This guy delivered pizza. See, ladies and gentlemen, that is why showing love to everyone. That is why God tells us to do this. This is why. This guy is struggling with addiction. He clearly does not believe in God. He delivered pizza to a church. They ended up blessing him, passing along the blessing. They didn't know who it was going to be, but God had them do that. And God had this young man deliver pizza that day. That is how God has everything set up. That's what we talk about when we say that. What an amazing video that was. What an absolutely amazing video that was. And do you guys know the song, Come Jesus Come, that I play all the time? Well, that man, Stephen, has a testimony of his own. Not unlike a lot of people that we know. Maybe not even unlike yourself. Roll it. I was a crystal meth addict who hated Jesus. My dad was a traveling evangelist. The that I saw behind a pulpit and the one I saw behind closed doors were two different people. So I decided that Jesus and my earthly father were the villains in my story. 13, I started smoking and drinking and marijuana. 15, it's cocaine, pills, I'm selling drugs. 17, I'm a full out crystal meth addict for over six years. And like I said, I'm the guy that hates Christianity, but people were praying for me. I mean, really praying for me. Someone came and gave me this book called The Case for Christ. 
Christ and I miraculously accepted it. This is the parting the Red Sea moment in my story. Fast forward, it's three o'clock in the morning. I literally have drugs on the side table next to me. There's nobody playing a harp softly and quietly in the corner, just me and the Lord. And we begin to have this internal dialogue where he was like, Stephen, I'm real and I'm good and I have a purpose for your life. God, I want to give you my life. I want to quit all this addiction, darkness, anger, and depression that I've known for so long. God, I want to, but I can't. In that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke something into me that changed me for the rest of my life. Stephen, you won't do it. I'll do it. I believe God like I believe I'm breathing air right now. Hold <sighs> on my knees and I gave my life to Jesus. And I went from addiction to redemption because God is real. It's all real. I was a... I went from addiction to redemption. There's a lot of you out there today who feel like you have Jesus in your life, but you don't know. Now, some of you are going to say, how's that possible? I'll tell you how. How many of you are married? Or how many of you have children? For those who are married and or for those of you who have children, do you feel like you're married? Do you feel like you have children? Or do you know that you are married? Do you know that you have children? See, there's a difference, isn't there? You can feel like Jesus is in your life. Or you can know that Jesus is in your life. You don't feel like you're married and not know. You don't go, I feel like I'm married. I don't feel like I have children. Well, I feel like maybe I have children. No, I know I have children. I know I have a wife. That is how you have to be with Jesus. I know Jesus is in my life. I know it. Period. I don't feel like it. I know it. And when you go in front of him on that day and he looks at you, if you're one of the people that feel like you have him but you don't know you have him, then he's going to look at you and he's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Now, a lot of people are saying both. Obviously, if you know, you feel too. But you can't feel and not know. And that's my point. Well, I feel like I have Jesus in my life. If somebody were to say, Jeremy, do you feel like you have Jesus in your life? I'd say, no, I know I have Jesus in my life. Unequivocally, I know he's in my life. I see the work that he's doing because I push back on it and don't want to do it. No time in my life before Jesus did I want to do something and then not do it. No point in my life before Jesus did I not want to do something and then went and did it. I wanted to do everything that I ever did. That's why I did it. And very few times have I been made or coerced or forced to do something. I know Jesus is in my life because I am constantly being convicted of the things that I naturally do. And it is not easy to overcome that and realize, wow, I was wrong. So if that is working in your life, unbelievers would call that a conscience. I would call that the Holy Spirit. And if you look at the word conscience, con means with, and science means knowledge. You are with knowledge of God. So that's God. That's God. Please open up your books. One minute prayer for dads. Open up to page 143. Page 143, Psalm 103, 13. Showing compassion. 
As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. My mother had so much fear in her heart last night of death. What I wanted my mother to fear when I left that room last night was God. Not death, not being able to not breathe, not what's going to happen after she leaves, not if her kids are going to be okay. I wanted her to fear God. And I think she did. Because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And I'll leave you with this. When I saw my mom laying there like that, and as I was talking to her, And telling her not to fear the world and fear dying, but fear God. I realized I'm not afraid to die. As I lay there afraid for my mom, I realized that I was not afraid to die. Now, I know that's a lot easier said than done. I know that if I was laying there, shortness of breath, getting ready to maybe die or who knows, I know that's a different story. But as I sat there with my mom holding her hand and rubbing her hair and seeing the fear leave her eyes and love come into her soul, I realized I am not afraid to die. As a matter of fact, come Jesus, come. Let today be the day. And Stephen McWhorter says something in that song that gets me every time. Music slows down and he says this. One day he'll come and we'll stand face to face. And we'll lay it all down. And it might be today. So ladies and gentlemen, it might be today. Do not wait till tomorrow. Open your heart up today. Love everyone in your life. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Folks, that's going to do it for Rise Up today. I so much enjoy this time with you. I thank you for your prayers for my mother, Renee. And ladies and gentlemen, if I would could give you any advice, be rapture ready. That's the best advice I could give you. Mike Crispy Unafraid comes up next, followed by Live from America. God bless you guys, and have a great, God-blessed, God-filled morning. See you later. Jesus is here. People need a Jesus.